Chef podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us info at businesschef.org. Our guest today is Diane Thomas. Diane Thomas has quite the resume. She has been a regular on the Today Show, has written multiple cookbooks, and is an expert in the cookbook arena. So for those of you who are interested in writing cookbooks and think that that is a good way of making money, uh, you may be a little bit enlightened by this interview today. Appreciate Diane and her time being here. Now, let's jump into our show. So a little bit about Diane. Diane and I have known each other for a little bit of time, probably 10 plus years. Um, I actually met Diane when I got started in the crazy world of the book business. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that with her today. But first off, want to get to know you a little bit. Well, so, thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. What brought you to this point? Well, my father was a forest ranger in southern Utah. And if anybody have heard of the Bears Ears, which has now become a monument, that was my father's ranger district. Oh. And so as a kid, I loved the outdoors. It was just amazing. And they don't do it anymore. But as a kid, we could go with my father out through the mountains. And I fell in love with the mountains. I was actually born right after they moved there. And we would go camping. We'd go fishing. I remember it as a young girl at 10 years old. We would do Dutch oven cooking. And my dad would make sourdough biscuits. So you could imagine we had a 10-inch cast iron black pot, oil at the bottom of it. He'd put the biscuits on there. And then when we'd pull them out, I swear they were four inches high. <laughs> Probably two would be right. But anyway, we'd open those up and you can imagine this, the oh, smell yeah. of the sourdough and the biscuits are done. So we put a little bit of honey and butter over those. And I mean, you just hardly had to chew them. It was just so amazing. Oh, yeah. So we'd catch fish, we'd cook that. And so I was always intrigued with that. When I was 12, my father was transferred to Salt Lake City. And if any of you been skiing or been out here to enjoy the beautiful mountains here. He was the ranger for another t 15 years of the mountains here in Salt Lake. So I fell in love with him, went camp. I went, worked at a girls camp up in the mountains. And that's where I learned a lot of uh, the outdoor stuff as well as from my father. So the combination of those two, when I started teaching junior high school, I became a home economics teacher. So oh. I was teaching foods. How do you do foods? And I thought, as soon as I walked into my classroom, I thought, I need to take my kids out and enjoy the outdoors. And so we cooked on tin cans. I, I, I took the garbage can lids and turned them upside down, <laughs> put three bricks underneath them and put dirt in them. And we had a little barbecue because we didn't have money to buy barbecue. So everything was pretty much improvised, but that made it not less at all. It made it a plus because the kids were learning what they could do at home. And so uh, I went back to Brigham Young University and uh, got my master's degree taught uh, teachers how to teach this all over the state of Utah. They would come in, we'd have a two-day course, and then um, after that I was asked if I would write a book. So I wrote a book called Roughing It Easy. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, they got me on the, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and the book became a New York Times bestseller. The only one to beat me out that summer. I was on the list for 13 weeks, which being a little kid out of the southern Utah was amazing. <laughs> and uh, the only thing that beat me out was the joy of sex. So I've always <laughs> said, I'm going to have to write a book called Sex in the Woods, and maybe I can make number one. But that set me up to start doing television, and I literally went back in those days every big city like Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle all had a local their own local talk shows and new news and radio stations and they and newspaper editors and I would go from city to city to city for years. I actually hooked up with BYU, Brigham Young University, and was a lecturer for them in the summer. So mm. we would go out and I would lecture in the afternoon. So in the mornings, I would rent a little pinto car. <laughs> That's all they pay for. And I would drive, like in Houston, I'd drive out to the little radio stations and the television oh, stations. Wow. And I had no GPS. So it was a map and me. And <laughs> there were more than once I got lost. And one time I was over an hour late getting the radio station. I was just like panicked. I went running, just running into the station. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And they go, for what? You know? <laughs> and at that moment, I learned that radio people, they have the gift of gab. It wouldn't matter if you didn't even show up. <laughs> so I didn't work. I didn't worry quite as much about radio stations if I couldn't find them. And uh, so it, it opened up a huge career. So uh, I started I hired a publicist to get me on the national shows, and uh, we were able to get. Well, first we did the Johnny Carson show, and that was through the pub, the uh, publisher. Oh, okay. But I wanted to get on the Tonight Today Show, and Good Morning America, and do some of those shows. And we were I was doing them twice a year, wow. every summer, which was amazing. Yeah. And I kind of hooked up with the Today Show, and uh, pretty soon I found myself as a regular. On the t well, maybe I can share that story with you. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. Uh, the thing I would do is come up with really crazy things to do outside. They used to call me MacGyver with the skirts, so that would help <laughs> you understand. So I would take two flashlight batteries and put them together, and then I would connect a very fine steel wool, so it had to be double lot or finer. And that would be like what you do with the furniture, you know, polishing furniture, and you can get that at a, at a, uh, like a Home Depot or a store like that. So I'd connect, you'd pull off a piece of steel wool, put it on the bottom, uh, and then connect it to the top, and it would start a spark in it, and it would start a fire. And so I would show that, and it was great for television because the cameras would come in and. You know, I've always said there were two things that would stop people from changing channels, and that would keep me on the show. Mm -hmm. Because if people weren't changing any channels and they loved you, then you could go back to any of these shows over and over again. So I would use dry ice and steel and fire. Oh, nice. So if I had dry ice and fire <laughs> on every show, and I did, I mean, it goes on and on of the things I figured out. But anyway, the steel on the battery is probably the top one. And then I would take water and boil it in a paper cup. You can actually put water in a paper cup. And I took a, a tin tuna fish can, mm -hmm. rolled up, uh, cut the cardboard exactly the height of the tuna can, rolled it up so the holes were going up and down, and I would melt wax in it. That makes a little burner, and oh. you can actually make a little stove out of that. 
I would put the paper cup on top of that, and it would burn. And the cup doesn't burn because the water inside of it keeps the paper below its combustion okay. point. So it, the water is cooling it down, and it will actually boil. You can drop an egg into it, and the egg will actually poach. Wow. The only thing you have to remember if you're going to do this at home is that there is a little lip on the bottom of it where the water isn't. So you kind of push that into the tuna fish can, into okay. the, the little burner, so that, or you can put a piece of foil around that and still do it, you know, keep that from burning. But if you hear it, sizz, little sizz, sizz, that means it leaked through the bottom, uh. so you take it off. But, <laughs> you know, I did not, anyway, so that was, and then the other one that I did is I would cook eggs and bacon in a paper bag on top of my tin can that I made out of the tuna fish oh burger. Gosh. And people would just go, I mean, I'd line the bottom of the bag with strips of bacon and then uh, break the egg, hold it up uh, way above the bag. The bag would be open on top of the tin can. And then people could see the egg drop right down, and it would go right. If you look at the bag and hold your egg up, I don't know what there is in your brain, but it connects, and I never, I don't think I ever missed the bag. So <laughs> <laughs> I taught Johnny Carson how to do that, Tom Brokaw, you know, all of these old-time uh, people that I did television with. But anyway, here I am on the Today Show. I'd been on maybe seven or eight times. And I never, I one thing, and you talked about being the business part of this, mm-hmm. I never did push too fast for, I always set my goal for a show, but I, I, pay, I made sure I paid my way. In other words, that I was an excellent guest mm-hmm. before I'd ever asked for the next move. Okay. And so I, I had been on the Today Show and they were calling me, so I go, Wow, <laughs> a little girl out of Utah could make it on the Today Show. That's amazing. And so I kind of planted in my day, in my mind that that was going to be my dream was to get on the Today Show as a regular, not just as a guest, but as a regular guest. And so here I was with Tom out. Uh, I had a wagon. We had filled the wagon. A uh, metal wagon has a what about three or four inches. Filled that with dirt, mm-hmm. put foil over that, and put charcoal briquettes on that. And then you light the charcoal briquettes, and then I took a flat nose shovel, and it has a long, it has a handle on it. So I covered that with foil. It was new anyway. I covered it with foil, and I had Tom, oh, having the shovel on top of the briquettes, which heats the shovel okay. and cooks the hamburgers. So we made hamburgers on it, and then all he has to do is <laughs> flip it, and the hamburgers turn over. <laughs> I, on the other side, had a pitchfork, so I bring the pitchfork up, and I had hot dogs. There's five <laughs> prongs on a brand-new pitchfork. I had hot dogs on it, so I'm roasting the hot dogs. So the wagon is about the height of a bench, and Tom turns to me as we—I was always the end of the show. I was the last three minutes. Tom turned to me, and he said, I wonder if your friends are drunk. And they come over and sit on the wagon. <laughs> and I turned to Tom and I said, don't worry about that. You'll just have rump roast. <laughs> and uh, Jane Polly and anyway, I, they all would come up and pat me on the back after the show. And they said, listen, you outdid us all because they'd try to outdo each other. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of behind the scenes of what would happen. But I knew that my stock was pretty high that day. I had a PR man with me, and he said, let's go celebrate. And I said, no, you go celebrate. You go have breakfast. I have work to do. So that was, you know, the flights were flashing in my head, you know, and going, 
go ask for the job, go ask for the job. So I went to Tom and I said, Tom, can I maybe meet you in your office? I, I have a question I have for you. And so, I mean, I, I, I'd say my knees were just knocking. <laughs> but you have to push yourself to go do that. I mean, I had proved myself. Now the next point was for me to make the next step to ask. Because often I tell people in my class, if you don't knock, the door may never open. Yeah. So that's a really key thing in business, always knock. But make sure that you've proved yourself if you're asking for something like a regular on the Today Show. So I went in and I asked him, he said, well, give me a proposal. That would be great. And, you know, timing is a lot in this business. Absolutely. You know, if they need it or whatever, Good Morning America had just for the very first time passed the Today Show. Uh. And one of the reasons was special guests. So they needed somebody like me, and I was knocking on the door. So Tom said, give me a proposal, and this was before Internet and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I hurried and got him a proposal the next day, and in a week I had a regular job for the next eight years on the Today Show. You know, it's funny because I remember remember, it was the first or second time that we had sat down together, and I remember telling my mom that I had sat down with you, and she was so starstruck, just... Oh, really? I remember watching her growing up. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think you bring up a very interesting point with that in that you had to take the initiative and you had to knock yeah. and you had to do those things after you had proved yourself. And I think of opportunities in my life or, or people that I know that, you know, they it was right there in front of them, but they just didn't take that next step and they didn't yeah. push themselves just right. a little bit harder right. and, you know, what might have been. Um, yeah. But obviously it worked out for you. And Well, I tell everybody, you are your best agent. An agent is somebody that gets you the job. You are the best. And so my goal whenever I did a radio show, a TV show, a newspaper interview, that they would at the end of it say to me, when can you come back? That was always my goal. And I caught on to this really early because I couldn't afford. I, I mean, I hired somebody to help me get on the, the big shows, Good Morning America and the Today Show and stuff like that. But um, I couldn't afford to have somebody lining me up all over the place, you know. And so I, a lot of times I would do that myself and uh, get knocking on the door. But always looking, always being open. And when I teach a class, I've taught many, many classes on public relations. I tell people, and I have them open their arms wide open, and I say, that's where you have to be all the time, daily, mm-hmm. looking, and just looking. And a friend of mine the other day called it the eye of the tiger, but it's looking for opportunities. Because what I tell people is people can take you, can be your bridge. People can be your bridge where you can't go. They'll take you places that you can't go. They'll introduce you to people that you couldn't get across to because they're sheltered. You know, they're, and even now, I think it's a little more because we have electronics. You don't interface with people. Right. You know, now it's pretty much always email. Mm -hmm. But I always knew, you know, back a lot, a long time ago, we used to do the phone a lot. But whenever you can do anything in person, that's the most powerful one. If you're a powerful, if you put your package together, which is you, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I tell the story of when Johnny Carson or when Tom Brokaw retired, I was the only one in Utah or Salt Lake that had ever worked with, you know, mm-hmm. I've been a regular in the Today Show for eight years. 
And so about noon of the day that he retired, I thought, you know, you ought to call the TV stations and see if you can get on. And I called them. They'd already had their program plan. Mm. So I said to myself, that will never happen again. Uh, Johnny Carson died on the Sunday. And I got my videos. I got my pictures. I got everything ready because I knew the next day might be might be some opportunities. And sure enough, right at seven o'clock in the morning, I get a call from KSL Doug Wright show, and they said we want to. Doug says you're the only one he knows that's been on the Tonight Show in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. and he said we want you to come down. Now you can either do it from phone for fifteen, or you can do it from phone, or you can come down. Well, what goes in my mind is. By phone, it could be probably 15 minutes. If I go to the studio, it's 30 minutes. Right. What's that 15 minutes that you would pay for? That's huge. So I tell people always, whenever you can get in front of somebody or do it in person, do it. So while I'm sitting down there, I get a call from the Desert News, which is the local paper here. And... uh, they said, well, can we just get a quote from you? And I said, well, I'm busy. Let me call you back. And I said, do you want me to come over? And she said, no, no, just, we just want a quote. And I thought, hmm, interesting. I want to be there. <laughs> and so I just, I told her I'd get back in touch. So I went and did another TV station and called. And then I drove right down in front of the Desert News, the newspaper, parked right in front. And I called them up and I said, you know, I'm right in front of your paper. I just finished doing a TV show down here. So if you want me to come in, I'd be happy. And she said, well, just a minute. So she asked her producer. So yeah, tell her to come in. Wow. And with my pictures and with all of my props, everything, I go in there and they go, pretty soon, not only the writer is there, but the produ- the, uh, the editor, the executive editor, he comes out, he sees the pictures, and then he calls the photograph guy. Oh, wow. So what I'm doing in is buying space in the paper. The next day when it came out, I had the front page Holy of the whole newspaper, not just a <laughs> quote. So remember, anything you can do in person, do in person. Oh, it's yeah, I totally agree. It's so much more powerful. And, and I learned that from you going through these book camps that we used to go through. Yeah. So I, um, you know, obviously have my cookbook and, and still do um, and have done a little bit with it. You've gone far and above whatever. Oh. I ever did, but um, at the same time, I think there's a lot of valuable lessons that we can learn from from your experience. And so, when it comes to cookbooks, um, I mean books in general, but cookbooks specifically, what do you think some of the biggest mistakes people make are? Well, a book, any book, is not getting out and promoting it. And even now, I mean, I know people focus on the internet, but uh, a lot of books are sold through. The best is your, you. You are your best salesperson. Remember, you are your best agent. Keep thinking that and learn everything you can about selling yourself. And and pe- you need to. I mean, I, I never tried to be overbearing with it, but I always tried to sell myself. So if I can get out and lecture mm-hmm. to any group, any group, I can sell a ton of books. <laughs> well, and you speak about lecturing. I mean, it seems like, and we were talking about this before, that there's a natural progression between having a book and being recognized as an authority and speaking. Yeah. And and it I mean that's almost a whole other career yeah. in and of itself. It is. If you can get in front of people. The other one I was thinking is I mean you can still 
get media. Mm. Uh, there's new shows in every city. You can still, if you're going to a city, happen to be driving. Most of the time nowadays, I don't think there's enough media and enough people watching it to justify driving. You know what I mean? Doing a, the expense of traveling. Yeah. But even doing books and you, uh, doing autograph parties. Now, you will go and nobody will come. But I got. I must have done hundreds and hundreds of autograph parties, but and several of them, nobody came. Yeah, well, I remember well, very well being in Costco, and they require X amount of times for you yeah. to be there. And I remember sitting there for four and five hours sometimes with no one, you know, in the middle of the day, and no one yeah. comes by. But it's the act of actually getting out there and doing that. Well, Costco's probably. I know, I know Costco. You're not necessarily talking to the salespeople, but if you go in a bookstore, if you can get a bookstore. A local bookstore, you can meet the people who sell the books. Mm-hmm. And so my job when I got to a bookstore was to meet those people that sold the books and sell them on the books, give them a book or whatever. I mean, it depends on how many there are. Uh, a place like Costco, I would set up a, a good demonstration. You know, something to bring them in, give them a sample, what, you know, whatever uh, you can do to get their attention. But I don't love those. Those are pretty much a one-on-one sell. Mm-hmm. I like the if you can do it like we're doing now, a podcast, a, a TV show, uh, uh, any of those kinds of things, and then direct people. It's a, little, it's a little harder to get to the audience that wants it now than it was when I first started out mm-hmm. because there was ABC, CBS, and NBC, and that's all there was for years and years. And People watch the Today Show. I don't. I don't know a lot of people that watch some of those shows anymore. So, but they still have people who have audiences. And it's a lot of that is is networking, right. and figuring out who to talk to and what right. audiences that they have. But I think if you were to give any advice to someone who wants to, who feels like they have a great cookbook or they have a, a great idea for a book. What's some of the advice you would give them? What's the process you would invite them to go through? Many people come to me and they say, I want to write a book, so they write the book. I go, stop. (laughs) When you have the idea to write the book, you must look at the marketing of it. It's like a product. How am I going to market this? Is there a market? I had a lady couple of weeks, months ago, called me up from Las Vegas, and she said, oh, my friend always tells me I need to write a book, my friend. Yeah. I said, I want to write a book, and she'd already spent money on designing the cover and mm. all this, and I said, and so how are you going to market the book? Do you have an audience that you can go to? Do you have, no, no, no. So she was putting money into it before she even knew that she could sell it, and uh, one of the things I would say is... You know, you have to stop and say, why am I writing a book? Is it for my own ego? Which is a lot of people that just say they can say they wrote a book. Is it so you can market your business? Now, if you can market your business with a book, then that's a whole nother thing. And then you have, but better than that, I think, is doing magazine articles, getting your information out. I had a friend come to me not long ago, and her she found out, when she was oh, probably 40, that her her real father was a priest, a Catholic priest. Oh, wow. And she never knew that growing up. And now she wants to do, she wants to do a book. And I said, stop. <laughs> you know, let's see if we can get it some exposure. She really wants to do a, a film on it, which is possible, but 
not profitable. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a long journey. And I said, let's see if we can't, you know, so we've made a deal and I'm going to work with her. And so I was able to work with a friend of mine who writes for national magazines and it was just sold to Good Housekeeper. Oh, wow. So you could, if she just wrote her book, she's got to go out and promote it and mm-hmm. put all the money into it and all that. But now Good Housekeeping is going to do a story and it will go all over. Mm-hmm. And so we're hoping to take that article to the Sundance Festival and maybe meet some script writers or producers or whatever. So what we did was anchor her in with an article, something that's really good. And the thing about it is, I mean, even in local papers, local whatever, if you've got something good enough, you can get it in. That helps you figure out how to market it. Now we've got it in. Now I'm really excited because we got it in. Good, not that you're going to get them in those big magazines all the time. Right. But, you know, you never know. And if you do, that will help you know if you have something that's viable to take out and then market it. Well, and I, I can attest to that. I, I know that, you know, part of the reason I had written my book was I saw a need. And so I wanted to fill that need. It wasn't necessarily the book that... I was incredibly passionate about. It was more the book that I saw a need for, and through your coaching and a lot yeah. of others' coaching, yeah. I, that was kind of coaxed out of me that you, if you're going to write it to be able to make a difference or get that information out to people, you've got to know that you can sell it first before yeah. you actually write yeah. it. That's huge, huge. So really, talk about marketing before you talk about writing. Well, and, and with along those lines of marketing, you've done a lot of things over the years to market yourself and, and to, you know, we're looking at this this uh, magazine article that's here. At, when was What was the last book that you wrote? How many years ago? I wrote a book in 2011. And at that point, in, I mean, I have written 19 books. I'd written 18 at that point. And I was able to get it into uh, some grocery chains. Mm-hmm. But after I had done that is when I said, wow, this business has really changed. (laughs) Because I printed, usually I would print 20,000 books, and I would have a publisher back in the Midwest, and he would take 10,000. So with the 10,000, see, you've got to think about the business. With the 10,000 sell, and I had to sell them to him fairly inexpensive, but it was still over my printing cost. So what I would try to do is the, the amount that he would take, I would try to get to take care of my printing costs. I see. Then I would go out and sell. I would, he would sell 10000 I'd sell 10000 You know, through lectures, through, you know, telling people about, you know, websites, you know, whatever. So that was my gravy was in what I could sell. This time, I didn't have, he had retired, and so I wasn't involved with him. So I printed 5,000 books, and I did get it into a big food chain, Associated Foods. Mm-hmm. I got it into their stores, and I got them in, I had some cardboard displays, and we put those in there, and then I went to, they have 50 stores. I went to every store twice, and wow. they even put campaigns on there. This was a color book. This was weight loss book. This was gorgeous. I'd had it printed in China and I got it printed in China for a, a 5,000 of them for $1.86 shipped to oh, Salt Lake all cow. color. It was gorgeous. And I mean it but I'm telling you I still have about a thousand of those left to sell. Wow. So I'm just telling you, I mean, I was a known name. It was a beautiful book. 
It was color. It was. You had distribution. I, I had mean, distribution. I had PR. I had the newspaper. I did the radio shows. I did all of it. But people nowadays rarely buy books. I would say anybody under 40 doesn't stop. I mean, I would be in the grocery stores and I'd have a place to demonstrate right by the door. And I would be cooking. I would put bacon or pork. I'd cook pork chops because they smell, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anybody that was under 40 would come in with their little kid in the phone. They're, you know, they were holding the phone with one and the kid in the other, put, him in the, put the kid in the cart. And I had a hard time getting them. If people knew me, they came over and they would usually buy a book. So it's, it's much more difficult. And basically the reason why is anybody, I mean, you got a computer, you can do a book. Yeah. And the other thing I would tell you, if you're going to do a book, do it professionally. You know, so many books that are done now just scream of being self-published. Yeah. And I think the owners mostly have them in their garage. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I ran into that a lot because we were networking with each other in these these classes and groups. And there were a lot of people that were in that same boat where this was a passion project more than anything else. And um, the feedback that they would get was much more, well, that's not what I want to do. And so I'm going to go this different direction. So here were these industry experts saying, you should do this to sell your books. And they would say, no, but I want to do this. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, from what it sounds like and what we've experienced is that doing it the opposite way, figuring out a market and then marketing to that market with the content in your book is the way to do it. Then trying to write something and force it on people. Right. If you just want to get a book for the ego, and I don't mean ego, but just for the satisfaction in your heart and all of that. Then write the book, and then you can get a, them published on demand. So you don't make a lot of money that way, but at least you get a book out, and you have a book. And there are people, you can look that up, uh, you know, publishing on demand, you know, and, and you can Google that and or, you know, search it and find publishers that will do it. The caution, the thing I would caution you is be careful how much money they want. Yeah. Because uh, many times they want, I mean, print 10 or something. Even if it's just pays for the book to be printed, you have a book and you can share it with your family and your friends and and that. Um, people who go out and speak a lot will definitely get it. That's kind of the thing. You need a book to make yourself an authority. So, Or even um, I have a lady who sells a steam cleaner, and I've consulted with her some. And uh, she wrote a book on uh, just cleaning. You know, she's the queen of cleaning. So, uh, again, look at why you want to do the book. And then if it's for you and it make you feel good, then do it on demand. If you're going to do it and you have a marketing way, she has a storefront. So she can sell it through her storefront. And also, she can just give that away right. for, for promotion. See, and I think that's a, that's a big part of you have to, step one, really decide what that book is for and who it's for. And then from there, you can figure out your course of action. Right. Um, I, I did the same thing. The first printing, we, they were printed in China. We printed a whole bunch of them. We were able to sell out of them. And then, um, you know, what I found was that 
with as many people who have books and write books and put new content out there, everybody's always looking for something new. So if, if you want to stay a relevant author, you really have to be putting out new books consistently. Yeah. Right. And a book, the life of a book, people say to me, can I buy your book in a store? And I said, no, <laughs> you know, because I'm not out promoting it. And it's older than most life of most books is like weeks, yeah, not months. It's weeks, you know. And I, if you, I, in fact, this morning I was thinking as I was coming to your show, I remember a book that Ted Koppel wrote two years ago, but I never hear anything about it anymore. Yeah, zero. So uh, you just know the life of a book is usually not really long. I was able to keep mine going because I did the Today Show and. And then I went on to the home show in, in Los Angeles and, you know, I could promote it and show it and, you know, keep them going. And, and so I did well that way. But nowadays, I basically sell very few books unless I lecture. Mm-hmm. Then I sell well. So speaking, lecturing, having yeah. a platform, yeah. th- those are all important right. things to, to having a book and promoting a book and keeping it relevant and keeping yeah. it out there. I mean, I did a, a lecture maybe a couple of years ago to three different churches church groups and it was in a beautiful setting and I could sell the books and I took home $2,000 for an evening but that was a day's work Mm -hmm. and that was great I felt really good about it but most of the time you have to you know get in front of people and even doing TV shows nowadays it's hard to get the books in the bookstore you know I again when that last book came out I called up the local bookstores because they used to take 50 of mine or you know and they'd have stacks of them and and I'd go do autograph parties and I called the guy and he said well we have two of those on and I I said well you're going to need more because I've got a big I've got the front of the C section in in the local two papers he said well when those two go we'll order two more And you can't, you cannot make money. Books do not make money unless you can sell quite a few. So if you want to look at a book to make money, like my little friend that did in Las Vegas, I said to her, this conversation probably saved you $10,000. Oh, I'm sure at least. And I always feel horrible when I do that, but she didn't have anything. That mm-hmm. She just had a friend telling her, and I said, okay, go back and look at how many books your friend has sold. <laughs> <laughs> and I, she's written for other people, you know, like the mentor that you, helped you. Mm-hmm. She's written for them, but she hasn't sold them herself. And it's a whole different ballgame. When, when you have to put up that money initially and you really have to get out there, and I think a lot of people, I ran into this a lot, there's a lot of people that love the idea of a book because they feel like there's a certain level of anonymity that exists there. Yeah. But in reality, you you have to really put yourself out there to, to be able yeah. to promote it. And so if you're getting into it because you think you can just get it on the shelf and it will sell, it's you're delusional. Because yeah. Well, and nowadays there's too many people that write books. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody writes a book pretty much now, or I shouldn't say that, but... I bet you got at least a third of you have people out there. Maybe not a third, but anybody that's, you know, like in you and stuff like doing a business, they call, let's write a book. Right. So, and if you can make it as part of your business plan, then it's great. But if you can't, then I would definitely take a look at it and see if it's possible for you to do it and make any money. Well, and at the end, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think... Um, 
you know, it, it comes back to that. You got to figure out what it's for and the direction that you go from there. But um, I think this you've you've definitely brought up some great points today and some some things that I think a lot of listeners wouldn't consider. I I mean, I know getting into the book business, I didn't consider a lot of those things. And it was eye opening, to say the least, (laughs) when you're getting in those situations. So um, as a as a parting piece of advice, what would you tell um, up and coming cookbook authors? What's what's your one piece of advice you would give them? You know, check the market, and then after that, once you go out and do a demonstration, figure out how you're going to catch the people or if you're going to go out. I mean, I think a big part of my success was that I had really unusual ideas. So first of all, look for unusual. In my classes, I would say to people, you know, when I was a kid, we used to go out and milk the cow. We'd bring it back in, and there would be, in the next morning after my mother put it in the fridge, there would be a layer of cream. You must find the cream, the stuff that everybody doesn't know, and then take that and make that a part of your book, and then they make that a part of your promotions. And that's the key. Excellent, excellent advice. And honestly, this conversation, for those who uh, are thinking about writing a book or have written a book, this is probably another conversation that having listened to it or listened to this podcast probably saved a lot of people $10,000 or more. (laughs) I hope so. And and if you've got an idea for a book, go out and you've got to promote, promote, promote. Absolutely. Well, I know I am grateful for your time today. I appreciate you being here. And this has been an eye-opener for me in some ways, too. Appreciate you sharing your story. And if uh, anybody wants to get a hold of you, are you open to people getting a hold of you? Sure. I have a website. Okay. It's, uh, my name is Diane Thomas, and you can spell it with an E or without an E. It really is spelled D-I-A-N and T-H-O-M-A-S. All my contact information is on there, and you can just go to my site, and then it go to the bottom, and it says contact. There's a phone number, email. You're welcome to call me. Well, for those of you who are looking to write a book or have written a book and maybe need a little help, Diane's a great resource, I can tell you, from personal experience. and She's become a great friend, uh, a great mentor, and I'm uh, very appreciative of her time today. And I hope that uh, those, those of you who have listened to this today see the value in what she's, what she's brought. So thank you, Diane. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. This Business Chef podcast was brought to you by the Culinary Technology Fund. To find out more about how you can make a difference in the lives of culinarians as well as creating a more sustainable food service industry, email us info at businesschef.org with Culinary Technology Fund in the subject line.